0: Thank you for joining us this morning. If you'd like more information on our services or our pastors, you can visit our website at www.thechurchrc.com. For today's message, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Well, you got a Bible? Uh, Turn to, uh, if you could, turn to Psalms 1-3. We're in a series called Planted. Uh, Planted, Psalms 1-3 is our key verse and then I'm, I'm actually going to give you two uh, scriptures, so if you want to put uh, your finger in one of those spots and then, and then flip over to John 4, we're going to read 31 and 34, John 4, 31 and 34. When you got it, say amen. All right, you don't, say hold up. All right, we're good, we'll have it back here for you too. Psalms 1-3, and he shall be like a tree planted, come on, somebody say planted. Come on, say Planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in its season whose leaf shall not wither and what, uh, whatever he does shall prosper. I don't know how many of you would like to be like that tree but I, I personally would like to be exactly like that tree. And we've, we've talked about this many different times. Most of us understand that we want to we have fruit that remains. We want, uh, we want to, uh, our leaf not to wither. We want to be prosperous. Amen? But the truth is, is that we have to understand one of the key elements in doing that is staying planted where God has you. Staying in the place that God has you in. A lot of times we want to move from place to place to place to place to place. And, and we wonder why we're not seeing the fruit that we want to see. And the truth is, is God wants you to stay planted where he places you. Amen? John 4, 31 through 34, we're going to jump into this message. Uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, background here, this is uh, the story of the woman at the well. And what happened is, is Jesus is making his way and, he, and he's walking through. It says in the passage that he had to go through Samaria. And I don't believe that Jesus had to do anything except because there was a reason for it. And he knew that this woman would, would be waiting. This woman would be there and she needed to have an encounter with God. And here he is and, and they're worried. He says he's hungry. He's tired, and so the disciples go into town to get him something to eat, and, and Jesus just takes, pops a seat right there at the well, hanging out, waiting on this woman, and here she comes out, and he begins to talk to her, and I love it because here, here she is. This is a woman who had been married five times, and the guy that she was living with was not her husband. And I love this because you, most of us think that Jesus would have nothing to do with people like this, but Jesus goes out of his way to encounter people like this, and I want you to understand, I if, if you don't hear anything else, hear this today, I don't know where you've come from, and I don't know what situation you're coming out of, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you right where you're at, with your mistakes, with your flaws, with everything that you have going on in your life, Jesus loves you, and you think that he would have nothing to do with you. But let me tell you, he goes out of his way to have an encounter with you. So this is where we're going to pick up. Finally, the disciples come back with food. They got, they got happy meals. They, they come back. They're ready to go. And, and Jesus, this is what Jesus says in verse 31, 34, excuse me. It says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know and they're like what somebody hooked you up while we were gone what what's going on and he says therefore the disciples said to one another has anyone brought him any thing to eat and then jesus said this to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work Lord, I thank you right now for the Word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear and here is open and receptive to hear your Word. Lord, I thank you for this amazing day already of lives being changed. And Lord, I pray right now that every ear would be open and receptive to hear your Word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're taking notes today, which I hope you are because we have a saying here that paper... Never forgets. I might forget. I, usually, I do forget what I preached the week before. But the but uh, if you take notes, you will remember always. And and I believe that this is God has something for you. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to title this message: contributors and consumers. Contributors. And consumers, I, I love this because here Jesus is, and he sat down, and he's, he, he, he begins to minister to this woman, and, and this amazing encounter begins to happen, and the disciples come back, and they're worried about the physical. They're worried about giving Jesus something to eat. God, Jesus, you need some food. You need to eat something. And Jesus says, no, you don't understand. There's something that satisfies me, and there's something that fulfills me more than natural food. There's something that does something on the inside of me. that will forever impact me, that will fill me up more than what you see, more than what you think. And and I think that we have a hard time understanding this because we are so consumed by the natural. We're so consumed by what's going on right now. We're so consumed by by possessions. We're so consumed by, come on, satisfying our flesh. It's just who we are. It's what what we are. I don't know uh, how many of you have kids here, but my kids' first words were dada. But I think their second word was mine. Huh? How many of you have ever been around uh, uh, kids that, that when they get a present or they get a toy, they will automatically, you take that away from them, they say? Very passionately they say? They say mine. I, I'm amazed at this. I, I, I had a, my daughter one time was uh, was sitting uh, at the uh, on the floor, and my son was doing what he do, does best. He just was putting everything in his mouth, and and my daughter had a Barbie. This was years ago. This wasn't just yesterday. But my daughter had a Barbie and or, or a, a, some kind of baby doll. Come on, all all baby all girls love baby dolls, and. And and she had, had this baby doll, and my son had found it. And he put it in his mouth, and he was slobbering all over it and drooling on it. And I watched her get up. She wasn't playing with the doll. And she walked over, and very aggressively in anger, she reached down. She grabbed the baby by the arm, and she pulled it and said, "Mine." See, the truth is, is in our very nature, we are selfish people. It's just who we are. I never one time sat down and said, listen, Braley, I want to teach you a lesson on being selfish. I want you to understand that when you get something, you, this is yours, and you need to really uh, be aggressive about it. And you need, to, you need to not share. You need to be completely, I never one time had that. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Don't we always spend all of our time saying, kids, you need to learn to share. Come on, you, don't be selfish. Don't be stingy. Come on, you got to learn to share because in our nature, we are selfish people. Can I hear an Amen. Growing up, I, uh, I was a fan of, now I'm not so much, but I was a fan of McDonald's. How many love, see, I, I, I love this because you ask, how many people eat McDonald's and nobody raises their hands, but somehow they serve six billion people a day. <laughs> it's probably a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but they do serve a lot of stinking hamburgers every day. And uh, anyways, and so, uh, but I was, a, I was a fan of McDonald's growing up. And uh, who doesn't love a Big Mac? But I I don't know if you remember this slogan. Slogan, If you were born after 1985, this will mean nothing to you. But I want you to, if if you know it, just say it along with me. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Come on. I, 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 I'm preaching revival to some of you people. You, you got you to hear this. We had this thing that we loved, McDonald's, and it, and it didn't matter what it was. Everybody can quote that, and everybody can say that, and no matter what, what you could go into a McDonald's, and you would walk in, and you would say that. You would say, I want a Big Mac, and that's exactly what you got. You got two all-beef patties, special sauce, Lettuce, pickles, onion on a sesame seed bun. There was no variation. There was nothing that changed. That's exactly what you got. Until a competitor came along and all of the sudden began to change the game. And that competitor was Burger King. Because they came out with a slogan, have it your way. Now, I, I know that you're sitting there, some of you kids are going, what is the big deal? This was amazing. This was something that was incredible because before that, you got exactly what they prepared. If it had four pickles, two onions, a, a, a hamburger a patty in the middle, and, and a bun, that, and mustard, that was what you got. But then all of a sudden they came in and they said, Burger King said, no, you don't understand. We, we want you to have what you want. You can have it your way. Not to be outdone, they came out with a uh, slogan that, that was this. It said this, uh, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders, don't upset us. Come on. Huh? I, I mean, this was, this was like. What hap- now Then I could go in and I could say, I want extra pickles, or I don't, I, don't like, I don't like mustard, I'm a mayo guy. Or you could go in and you could custom order anything that you wanted at any point at any time. Now let me just tell you, th- what they didn't realize is that uh, they were changing culture. Burger King literally changed culture because in a moment, in this, in this time frame, all of a sudden over the next 40 years, the customer has become king. Some of you are going, what does this have anything to do? I'll get there. Just hang on. The customer became king. I mean, it's all about the customer. It's all about what you want. Have it your way. We want to make you happy. Now then, customer is so important, companies will promote this. They promote quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, savings, Performance, come on. Experience, low rates, friendly service, name brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money back guarantee. <laughs> free installations, free admission, free appraisals, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trials, and free parking. No cash, no problem, no kidding. No risk, no obligation, no red tape, no down payment, no requirement, and don't forget to pick up your free, deluxe, custom-designed, high-quality, one-of-a-kind pencil holder because you are that important to us. The customer had become king. And it doesn't matter what, they will advertise anything they can possibly advertise in order to get you in the front door. They want to offer you the moon and the stars and they want to offer you anything that they can to try to get you in the front door. Now here's the thing, while that is completely and totally fine for business, what is really sad is is that it has begun to leak over and has leaked over into the church world. And now, then, church members and church people have become consumer minded. More than anything. They, they are so focused on being a consumer. They are so focused on this is about me. You don't understand. This is all about me. I go to church and if they do everything right and they check all of my boxes, maybe, just maybe they'll get my business. Just maybe I'll come back. Just maybe I'll be a part. Until they start doing stuff, something that I don't like, and then I'm out. And I want you to understand that God Has not made you to be that way. God doesn't want you to be that way. It's not about having it your way. I can't tell you how many people I've had that I've talked to, and I and they come up to me, and we'll talk, and we're greeting them in the foyer as they're leaving, and I say, "Hey, you know, so thank you so much for coming." And they say, "This, "Uh, we're just church shopping." Okay. Church shopping. Doesn't that, doesn't that really say it all? We're shopping for a church that sings the right amount of hymns and the right amount of contemporary worship. We're searching for a church we're shopping for a church where the preacher does everything that we like and he doesn't preach in a t-shirt. I, we're, we're, we're searching for a church where the music is, is loud enough, but not too loud to make us a little bit uncomfortable. We're searching for a church. And the truth is, is that we're always looking for a church. I have people that will tell me this. I have been to every church in the Metroplex, and I cannot find a church that meets all of my needs. I know this is a popular message, but the truth is, is that The church, let me just tell you something. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, the church is not supposed to meet your needs. It's not about you. We are called to be the church. We are called to be set apart. Come on. We are called to make a difference. If you call Jesus the Lord of your life, he says this. You are a minister of the gospel. You don't have to have pastor in front of your name in order to witness to somebody and to help somebody and to tell somebody about the love of Jesus. Jesus. Church shopping. I can't find a church that meets all of my needs. I want to say this statement, and I and I think that it's if you understand it and you really grab a hold of it, it will change everything. But here at the church, Royce City, we believe that we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. We believe the church does not exist for us, but that we are the church and we exist for the world. I, I'm going to say it again because I really want you to understand this because I think this is something that has been lost in our church. This is something that's been lost in the church in general. You go, you go all across the world, and I think it's something that's been lost. But the truth is, is that we have to understand this, that we are not spiritual consumers, that we are spiritual contributors. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. People come in and they sit on a pew and they 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 put a frown on their face or, and they sit there and they look and they and, and they have this look of disdain and, and and I'm telling you right now that I I honestly I I tell people a lot I don't really like most church I, whenever I go into churches and it's super religious I cannot stand religion it's one thing that I do not like at all because I understand this when you get this on the inside of of you and you understand that we are the church that we exist for the World, you begin to take on something completely different and act in a different way. I want to give you two points this morning, and then we're done. Two points. The first one is God calls you to serve in His church, God calls you to serve. In his church. Now, real quickly, I just want to briefly go over this. We understand that church is not a building, right? You understand that, okay? You could, you, could, you could tear this building down and we'll meet in a parking lot. Okay, we don't, it, because this is the truth, is that this is not the church. And it doesn't matter when we get a permanent facility, that is not the church. We are the church. That, that's the truth, is, is that this is just a building. It, it's great to have buildings. It's great to be able to come into buildings. It's great to be able to worship in buildings and everything be nice. And I have nothing against it. But I just want you to understand that we are. You are the church. In Romans 12, 6 through 8, Paul gives us seven different giftings. Seven different giftings. Let's read it together, Romans 12, 6 through 8. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. What does it say here? Let us, let us what? In, uh, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith; or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in or- exhortation, he who gives with uh, with liberally, or liberality. Sorry, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness here there's there's definitely a lot of different gifts but they they all really fall under these seven categories and i and i think it's amazing that a lot of people don't realize that god has gifted you god has put a talent on the inside of you that the church needs. It might not be standing up in front of everybody and preaching. That might not be your gift. But I'm here to tell you that there's something on the inside of you that you possess. And God has put you in a church for a reason. Not to just be a consumer, but to to go and actually contribute. Because there's something, when you begin to understand that God has given me talents, giftings, abilities, you begin to use them and you become fulfilled. Fulfilled. This morning you you drove up here and there's no doubt that you saw signs pointing you into the church. If there if you will know that we're here, I can promise you But the truth is, is that we have this team that goes out and puts up signs everywhere. Then you walked up, and you probably went into a check-in room, and you checked in your kids. And we have a team that's there to check in your kids. Then your kids went into children's church, and and they're being taught and and having fun and, and, and Getting the gospel preached to them, and then you have your babies who are being rocked in nursery by people who love babies. And and, and then you walked across and you had coffee and you have donuts that was put out and, and, and presented in a good fashion by people that served in hospitality. And you walked in, and all of a sudden you see all of these lights and, and speakers and all of this stage and everything set up by people who worked hard on production, and then you have amazing worship as you come in and you begin to hear. All this incredible musician, and everything is going so well, and that is because we have an amazing worship team. Now, why do I say all this? The reason why they do it is not because they're less busy than you. Oh, they must not have a job. No, let me tell you, the truth is, is they understand that God has called them to serve in the church, that God hasn't called them to sit in a church, but God has called them to serve in a church. And they show up day after day after day to do all of this because this, we understand that we are called to create an atmosphere for people to encounter Jesus. And so when people come in and they don't know Jesus and they don't know this hope And they don't know the love of God. They come in and there's this atmosphere where people have thought about it before they ever got here. And there's people that's greeting them and telling them hello. And they feel loved and they feel welcomed. And everything feels polished and everything is done. Because they understand that they are called to serve in the church. And when they see somebody lift their hand and say, I want to accept Jesus for the first time. Come on, they know that they were as much a part of that as the man up on the stage preaching. Sorry, I get fired up. (laughs) They understand. They might be busy. Everything might go wrong. Good gravy this morning. It was horrible. I get all the way over to hook up to the trailer because I I pull this big trailer out here. And I get out and I realize that I have forgotten the ball. So I cannot pull the hitch or or I can't pull the trailer. So I have to drive all the way back home. This morning my wife got up at 4 in the morning because she goes, Oh my gosh, I forgot to buy a tarp for the, the, the baptismal to sit on. And so she drives to Rockwall, Walmart, to buy a tarp at four in the morning. In the storm, everything going on. She gets to Walmart parking lot, reaches for a purse, and realizes that she has forgotten her purse. You ever had one of them days? Come on. But the reason why we keep showing up is because we know that we're called to serve in the church. I really do believe that the church is the hope for this world. I really do. I really believe that it impacts people. That we are able to pull resources together. And we're able to feed Families that that need help and need a helping hand and we're able to help single moms that need a helping hand and we're able to send people to uh, send Bibles to missionaries and we're able to do all of this stuff because we understand that we are the church and God has called us to serve in it. The second thing I want you to see and I'm nearly done. No, I'm good. I'm doing really good. The second thing I want you to see is God calls you to serve as his church. See, the truth is, is that we serve in the church to edify one another. We serve in the church so that you can come in and you can be refreshed, that people can experience Jesus for the first time, that, that, that you, you get to come in, you get to hear a word that encourages you, and you go out and you're excited, but God has called you also to serve as his church. Well, what does that mean? That that means that this church, the church cannot be contained inside four walls. See, you've got to understand this, that God has called you to serve as his church. That means that you are in the business and you work for the company that you work for for a reason. Because God has called you to serve as his church. That means that he has called you to go in. Listen, I have my kids and I'll talk to them and I'll say, Hey, listen, I want you to understand, Brayley and Ryland, you are the pastors of your school. They're not just there to attend school, but they're there to pastor their school. They're there to tell people about Jesus. They're there to pray for people. They're there to help people, uh, uh, invite people to church. They understand that God has called them to serve as his church. And I want you to understand that God has called you the same way. There's people that will come up and you, oh, Brian, just pray for me. I am the only Christian in my business. Why would I want to pray that you get out of that? God has put you there for a reason. God has placed you there for a reason. It's not to be miserable. It's that you could, so that you could minister to uh, hurting people, that you could tell somebody about Jesus, that you could invite them to church. Let me tell you, the Bible says that we are a light in the darkness. Come on. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, God has put you into a dark world to minister hurt, to hurting people to help them out. That's why I love community groups. And community groups are an amazing thing here at the church. You know, you, you, They've been called all different things. They're small groups. They're all of these, these different things that you can call them. But the truth is, is what it is, is it's people, real people getting together and helping each other. It's real people that take time out of their busy lives on an off night of the week so that they can help one another, that they can, they can minister to somebody. Sometimes it would be, you'd be amazed at the, the difference that they're making, the difference that they're, they're making in each other's lives because they're there to help a, each other out, to extend a helping hand. It's like people like Colin, and Erica. In your red, Nancy and Jimmy. Mike and Kara Petty. Thomas and Amy Welch. Gary and Jenna. Come on. Tony and Kelly. The reason why they all do this in and- and, and, and take time out of their day is because God has called them to serve as His church. God has called them to say, you know what, I'm willing to open my doors to people that I don't know. I'm willing to, to minister to people that I don't know. And at the end of the day, we understand this, that when we are ministering, they understand that I have food that you know not of. Is it always easy? No, it's not always easy. Is it always convenient? No, it's not convenient. But the truth is, is at the end of the day, we, we wake up, we go to bed and we understand this, that we have ministered to people and there's something that satisfies us. There's something that fulfills us. It's not in the natural and most of us don't even understand it in all of its entirety. But the truth is, is that we have this amazing feeling because we've helped somebody. And when you begin to use God's gifts and when you begin to use His talents... And when you begin to use the abilities that he's placed on the inside of you, and you begin to minister to hurting people, and begin to show people the love of Jesus, there's something, and you'll go, I don't know what it is, but a joy begins to come up on the inside of you, and you begin to say, man, I have food that you know not of. Why are you so happy? Why, why, what makes you different? What makes you so, do you not have any problems? No, the truth is, is sometimes you'll, you'll talk to these people and I, I know what's going on behind the scenes and it seems like all hell is breaking loose, but they have a smile on their face because they are the church. And they're using their gifts, their talents, their abilities to minister to a hurting world. And at the end of the day, that's what God has called all of us, all of us to do. The truth is, is that I have a vision for this church that's greater than what you see today. I have a vision for the church that loves more than it's been loved. I have a vision for a church that gives more than it has received. I have a vision for a church that serves more than it's been served. Come on, I, I have a vision of a church who doesn't, don't constantly point out people's flaws, mistakes, and failures, but they're constantly pointing to a Jesus who changes lives, who sets people free, who gives hope. Come on, somebody, who heals the sick. Come on, who sets free the bound. Have a vision for a church not full of consumers, but who of people who are actually fulfilled because they're contributors. It's not about one man, one woman, one family. It's about us. We are the church. I guarantee you, there's people in your life you can touch. I always encourage people to pray a dangerous prayer every morning. It's pretty simple and it's pretty short, but it goes something like this, Lord, use me today. If you'll begin to pray that prayer, I promise God will start using you. And it might be scary at first. It might seem like you don't have the answers. You don't have it all together. But There's something. It will change your life. Because you have food that they know not of. And you're doing the will of God that sent you.